hello, hello, and welcome to Streetwise, the companion piece to The Pitch from Kansas City. I'm your host, Brock Wilbur, the editor-in-chief of The Pitch, and here's today's show. Uh, Not going to do any sort of news roundup or readings from the magazine because we have a packed show to get to today. First off, uh, the hosts of a local Kansas City podcast called Let's Go to Court, uh, who have a very different take on the true crime genre. Uh, here's that interview. Kristen and Brandy. How are you, by the way? Oh, good, 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 good. Uh, <laughs> hey, uh, welcome to the show. Would you guys like to introduce yourself and your project? Sure. Um, so I'm Kristen Caruso, and that, that, that doesn't work for podcasting. Uh, <laughs> I'm Brandy Egan. There we go. <laughs> And we have a podcast called Let's Go to Court. Uh, It's a true crime comedy podcast that we've been doing for about two years now. And um, we love it. We're two. We've been friends since the fifth grade and we live here in Kansas City. And um, every week we put out a new show. So uh, how does one excel in the uh, insanely crowded field of true crime podcastery? Uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff out there. We we do one thing that kind of sets us a little bit apart. There's not a lot of people doing kind of what we do, which is where we focus on the court side of things. So um, we don't just tell you the crime. We tell you the consequences at the end and kind of where that went in the court process and kind of a little bit of the legal procedure and stuff like that. But in like a not super boring way. So <laughs> <laughs> how, how, what what percentage of the cases do you take on that cover sort of local Kansas City, Midwest area things versus historical big stuff? Um, We do a good mix of both. Um, We do, um, I don't know, percentage-wise. What would you say, Kristen, percentage-wise? Well, my favorite thing is making up percentages. So let's go with 15% local. I I would agree with that. That tracks. That's a a good estimate. Um, But yeah, we cover cover worldwide cases and really anything from a civil lawsuit to, you know, a a gruesome murder and and all the stuff in between. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, Brandy's a really big fan of gruesome murders, so... (laughs) Is it hard to keep gruesome murder uh, light for the audience? <laughs> it can be. <laughs> it can be. But we um, we uh, we also go on tangents and, and talk about our own, you know, connections to stuff and, and all of that. And so, yeah, if, if um, tangents aren't your thing, then you, you might hate our podcast. <laughs> my, my friends do uh, My Favorite Murderer, and I know that in recent years they have encountered a lot of intense criticism that are like, it's so funny that every week you make fun of all these dead people and, you know, there's oh, God, families no. and victims and stuff. And, and, like, that seems like a great reason to focus on the court side of it rather than, like, explaining the bloody axe murderers <laughs> yeah right yeah so it's it's super important to find the balance of being respectful to the victim and respectful to the families and then finding places to input humor to 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 introduce some levity and lighten things up and of course and you're both often... oh go ahead <laughs> oh no, no no i was just gonna say there often is an opportunity to laugh even in really terrible cases like um i don't know if you remember the brock turner rape case it was a terrible case. Well, my name is Brock, oh. so yes, for a <laughs> oh, year or so. Oh, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of people tweeting things like, "Was there ever any good person named Brock?" And me being like, "Oh no!" I I, I actually made several friends that way uh, over the internet that remain long term friends because people were like, "Actually, there's one." Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> no, so with that case, you know, I think we can all agree that was a terrible case. But we personally found humor in the ridiculous excuses that he put forward. And the um, his dad read a statement in court saying that, you know, basically, boo-hoo, Brock isn't eating as many pretzels as he used to eat. And, and he's you know, really he's missing kind of... his steak. <laughs> and so we obviously laughed at that because that was so ridiculous and just needed to be made fun of. So White people in jail just have it so hard. And most people don't understand. <laughs> it's, it is a lot yes. like the, inf- the influenza or uh, affluenza. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah you, you know, it's just like, if you're rich enough, you just never grew up understanding that the rules applied to you, which is wild. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you've covered, you you have covered local stuff like the murder of Kelsey Smith out of Johnson County. Yep, mm-hmm. yep, we covered that case. We did, um, um, that case I uh, had, I did like a whole Johnson County series, um, including that case. I did that. I did the um, serial killer Richard Grissom. Um, uh, Kristen covered um, the John Robinson case, that serial killer out of Johnson County. We've done a lot of cases. We've done old-timey Kansas City cases, including old-timey kidnappings, which are really interesting. Um, and you can kind of see the progression of how the law changed around around kidnappings. Um, so, yeah, yeah, the Lindbergh baby changed things big, big time. time. Yeah, big time. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but there's a really there's a couple of really famous ones that involve Kansas City. There's the Bobby Greenlee's case, which was he was um, the son of a really wealthy um, car dealership owner, and he was stolen uh, or kidnapped from uh, his school in Kansas City and murdered before essentially the ransom was even demanded. But they got away with the ransom, and that money was never recovered to this day. So, have you guys found it? Would you uh, tell yeah. me if you found it? <laughs> Every weekend we go out hunting for that money. That's we are right. ready for it. That's right. I'm from. I know, uh, it's funny. <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. This is so hard to do with three people, isn't it? Um, it's funny you mentioned my favorite murder because that's the podcast that inspired us to start our podcast. Um, we've. We both have loved that podcast for years, and we went and saw their live show in Kansas City, and we both walked away feeling really inspired and loved it, and we decided to kind of do our own spin on true crime comedy because of that podcast. Now, which which year's show was it that left you inspired? This last one or the year before? The year before. Okay. Yeah, I that is the takeaway. I have a couple of murderino friends that saw the Kansas City one this last year and were like, I think they recycled stories and it didn't feel oh, like no. they put the effort in. And I was oh, like, oh, yeah. okay, the Kansas City murderino scene wasn't a big fan of, <laughs> of what they were putting out in the tour. Uh, my, my favorite personal one growing up is that, well, not favorite, because once again, let's not celebrate any of these things. Right. But uh, when I was uh, in grade school uh, in my home of Salina, Kansas, uh, this guy, Alan Eugene White, um, axe murdered a family, uh, and they were supposed to come see a community theater production of Charlotte's Web I was in the next morning. Uh, and so oh. it was kind of weird in that way. Uh, and uh, they they caught him uh, using uh, Unsolved Mysteries, like he showed up in Boston like a, a week later. But the, uh, the part that makes it uh, especially weird to my family is that... Um, my dad had been in a production of Jesus Christ Superstar with him a few months earlier where he was the guy that like put the flowers on Jesus's grave at the end of it. And I was like, you know what? Anyone that's in Jesus Christ Superstar, you got to wonder just in case. Uh, (laughs) But 
But the part that made it uh, so interesting uh, is that on America's Most Wanted, uh, yeah, it was America's Most Wanted, not Unsolved Mysteries. Uh-huh. Yeah. On America's Most Wanted, they what they do, which I hadn't known because I didn't understand production when I was a kid, uh, is that they actually go to the towns where the murders happen and they cast local people to redo the murder sometimes uh-huh. at the actual house. So most of the cast in recreating this murder were actors from Jesus Christ Superstar in our local production. Oh, weird. So it was this weird twist of like that, but also meaning that like when it aired, there was this uh, weird dichotomy between like, hey, look, it's Gary. He's on national TV. That's cool. But also like, oh, oh for the right. for this reason. Yes. This, <laughs> this is no, no one's big break in a way that they want to be doing it. Yeah. Yeah. So what fascinates you? Oh, go ahead. We're big fans of America's Most Wanted. We did an episode uh, that was themed around cases that were featured on America's Most Wanted. Um, I also did the John List case, which is famously like he went, he murdered his entire family and then went 18 years without being caught and then was profiled on America's Most Wanted and was caught like a day later. They did like this whole um, they got this forensic guy who made a bust, basically an age progression bust of him. That looked identical to what he looked mm-hmm. like 18 years later. L- long before we had the technology for that sort of like. Yes. Okay, that's crazy. I yeah. love that so much. <laughs> I will. Yeah. I will send you my all-time uh, favorite America's Most Wanted, which is from the early 90s, and it's about a woman who kept like going to work at various like department stores like Dillard's, and she'd be there for about a month, and then she'd just clean out the safes one night. Uh, and and she just kept doing this for years and bouncing around. And the reason that no one ever suspected her and put her in the role of, like, collecting all the money at the end of the day was that she was just this very normie-looking sort of middle-aged woman. Uh, and uh-huh. so when they're doing the episode and talking to the people that are recalling stuff, it's just this insane level of fat phobia where there's, like, I don't know, she uh-huh. was just this heavy-set woman. How could she do a crime? <laughs> and you're like... Mm, none of this aged well. They're like, she wasn't very pretty. And this is like other women talking about it. And you're like, ah, so like, she's one that we, we fell into in such a way that like, there's a Reddit thread about her and somebody found her. She's out of jail now and she's on Facebook. And so we had tried to invite her to be on a show at one point. I was like, I just want to know. Yeah. What you want to do, what you're doing with the rest of your life. Cause most people didn't press charges they're like i don't know it's 10 years later she was caught right we're at dillard's it's out money for a week let it just let it go so what what sort of legal stuff fascinates you in a kansas city way Hmm. i mean it seems like you know we have a lot of legal issues going on right now we just came through a point that i'm sure is not ending (laughs) where kansas right now it's it's all this states versus cities versus like yeah. national st- stuff and like we just got to watch it happen we are in a city bisected by two states and one state didn't put a stay at home order in forever and oh my probably God. will repeat it uh, repeal it almost immediately yes. and Kansas is trying to do well but Bill Barr is about to start suing states that keep a lockdown order in place so governor Kelly's yeah. going to have to fight Bill Barr and the, it's just it, it seems like a wild a wild west time where laws have ceased to make sense and but but we're also doing this sort of states rights thing that must have happened like 
after the Civil War. Like, everything is so <laughs> stupid to me. What do you guys think about that? Yeah, we actually talk about this quite a bit um, on the podcast, actually, because Kristen and I actually live on either side of the state line. I live on the yeah. Kansas Perfect. side. Perfect. Oh, wonderful. she lives on the Missouri <laughs> side. So we're like, look, listen to this embarrassing thing that my state did today. Like, the, we just talked about how... Um, how uh, the Kansas governor, Laura Kelly, put in the order to block religious gatherings. And then Kansas, uh, the legislator, uh, overturned that. And so she had to sue them and take it all the way to the Supreme Court to try and get that upheld. Like, it's amazing to me um, that people are seeing those types of things as um, as something that's being done to them instead of something that's being done for them to keep them safe and, you know, not die. And and it's for for people that might be out of the city that are listening. Laura Kelly basically ahead of Easter, like was like, okay, religious gatherings can happen, no more than ten people. And the mm-hmm. Republican representatives overturned that because the district attorney claimed he was not going to enforce it. And they went to the Supreme Court, and like the day before Easter, the Supreme Court put it back in. But the district attorney was like. I still won't enforce this because he believes that it violates the Constitution of right. Kansas. And it was just like, you, you <laughs> goddamn. It, it was one of those things that as we kept reporting, I was like, I know that now technically you can't be arrested for doing this. That doesn't mean it's good. And like, that's going to be so much moving forward. Like, legally, I guess you can go, which, but also the legalese of stuff has changed in socially in such an interesting way. I have a friend who's uh, her daughter works at Lowe's out here and they've got the mm-hmm. little plastic dividers for the cashiers. Mm-hmm. And she was checking a guy out the other day. And at the end of it, he spit on the divider at her and shouted, this is stupid and left. And I was like, Oh, in any point in American history, that's assault. It's just uh, assault. And yeah, with this 100%. thing, they're like, I don't know. What are we going to do? Call the police and tell him he's, he spit like people are busier with other things. I was like, oh, uh. we just, it, there's a real fear that like we're going to leave this and everyone's going to have this crazy chip on their shoulder, especially for like neighbors. My neighbors the other night had a giant barbecue with a bunch of friends over and I just moved what into a new hell? house. And I was like... <laughs> I'm just going to hate you for a decade. Like, you yes. never try to talk to me or invite me to a block party because I'll yeah. remember when you got people killed with your choices. Like, yes. Well, and so obviously Kansas is having their own tomfoolery, but yesterday in Missouri, the I think it's the Missouri Attorney General, Eric, is Schmidt, is that his name? He, I believe so. Uh, yeah, he's suing China now. Yes. It's incredible. <laughs> not, not only suing China, but suing Wuhan and the labor- yep. laboratory that he claims. It's just like, I don't see the world court assigning Missouri money for it in this <laughs> global pandemic. But it like, and, hey, and the joke's best on you guys it, when I get all my money from this lawsuit, right? <laughs> the, the best part of it is that like the, the language of the lawsuit is like, you've, you've created this thing that like, has destroyed our community and means we'll have to be inside for months while he's actively trying to lift the order. And I'm like, stop showing Uh your whole ass in what you're doing. Yes. 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 It's so clearly just like theater. Yes. It's to take, take all the blame. Well, to take (laughs) any blame that we might put on political leaders or our president and put it all over there. And you know, Let's not even go into the fact that you really can't sue another country. I mean, that's, right. that's just yeah. is not going to yeah, work. Legally, that's not going to hold up. <laughs> I mean, a, a country can sue a country in international court. Right. 
and but no one tell the president that because we just can't go down that road. I think, I think he listens to this podcast, so. Oh, oh no! Oh, well, he is very mad at me and the things that I have said. Uh, he's he's okay, not. He's not big fans of, of our podcast either. It's fine. What What do you think are the things that we'll see uh, legally that in in the months to come as things open back up? Like I. I imagine that social distancing and like limits of 10 people become something that aren't as strictly enforced as now, but like, yeah, it's definitely, you see the stories about uh, other parts of the country where like uh, they have drones flying around in New Jersey that yell at people that are being too close together. Uh, Or like uh, in Chicago, the mayor has just been driving around and when she sees people outside standing together, she screams, she yells at you go home. And it's just like, Okay, is this the standard that we need? Like a whole series of like scare tactics that seem like they're out of sci-fi just to get people to not hurt themselves or others. Like, yeah. what what else do you see as being something that well, we could be putting into place? You know, I think it's it's so weird. It's almost like the wild west out there. Like nobody knows exactly what to do. I just read this story, um, kind of along these lines, out of Texas. Um, I I uh, by profession am a hairstylist, so I am shut down right now for sure, um, uh-huh. and and don't know what that is going to look like going back because I can't do my job without having to touch my customer. Um, uh, so I read this story out of Texas about these two women who were advertising for at-home um, beauty services. So like they were doing it on Facebook, like in swap and shop groups and stuff like that. And they actually did like an undercover sting operation to catch them, like two undercover police officers. Is this the best use of public resources? <laughs> I know to it's like put a it's sting like, operation do we, in exactly. For do we know what we're like? How? Where's the guidelines here about what the what we should be doing? So yeah, like two undercover police officers um scheduled services with these women and then arrested them when they showed up to to do them because they're violating the their stay-at-home orders or i know it took three weeks but we finally caught these guys playing their (laughs) game of D &D, uh and like really uh, they they were spaced out but they kept rolling the dice and those dice could uh, spread anything so that's right uh do you do you guys have any sort of uh advice for people coming out of this or advice in general about uh legal problems that might arise from where we're headed um yeah d- re- talk to a real legal expert we, we yeah we're, that's we're our fake, real we're advice. fake experts so, <laughs> yeah, we joke on the podcast about being legal experts we are not that at all um so definitely <laughs> seek some real legal e- expertise if you're if you're needing it yeah so i don't know if we've covered this but i'm a law school dropout brandy's a criminal justice dropout so we have just enough knowledge to be really dangerous yeah just dangerous <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> What's that saying? You read one book and you think you're an expert. You read 10 and you realize, or you read two and you realize you need to read 10 more. Like that's where we are. We've read one book. Oh, it sounds like you were at two because you keep admitting to the 10 problem. (laughs) Okay. Fair, fair. Uh, What, what is the weirdest thing that you've encountered in the Kansas city extended Kansas, Missouri area that you've covered? Oh, you know, I, I honestly had no idea Oh boy, I gotta be careful with how I word this. I almost said I had no idea about our rich history of kidnappings, and that sounds terrible. <laughs> but we we do have some really wild kidnappings in our history. Um, Nell Donnelly, who was considered to be one of the most successful businesswomen in America in her day, was kidnapped in I think 1931. 
right outside her home, which I believe is now the uh, National Toy and Miniature Museum. Of course uh, it is. Why would it not have a <laughs> yeah. weird, tauntri- tor- uh, tormenting history? Yes. yes. <laughs> so there was, there's that crazy story. Like Brandy said, she covered uh, the kidnapping of Bobby Greenlease, which was another huge one. Uh, the kidnapping of Marion Parker. Is that a uh, local no, one? No, too? Mary McElroy. Mary McElroy oh, is, my, is the craziest kidnapping I think that I've covered because she was, these men, she, she lived like at 45th and Maine in Kansas City. These men came to her house to kidnap her thinking she was a child um, because they knew who her father was. She was like a 20-year-old woman, um, but they went ahead and went through with the kidnapping. And she like became friends with her kidnappers and uh, basically talked them into letting her go and then um, lobbied for their release afterwards because she liked them so much. Imagine going for the Lindbergh baby and finding like a 35 year old who's like, "Mm, I'm not keen on this. Well, the funny thing was, you could tell they kind of went into it. Their hearts weren't in it because they showed up at the house and she was in the bathroom and they showed up, you know, all all big and bad, ready to kidnap her. And she said, hang on, I'm just going to put on my makeup. I'm going to do my hair. And they were like, "Okay, okay." And they waited for her. So a couple of Not true gentlemen. I, I understand yeah, why she right. started like that. Where can people find your show and support what you're doing? You, you want to take that, Kristen? Sorry. I was looking at Brandy for some reason thinking she'd take it. No, we're available on any podcast app right now. Um, if you like us so much that you want to hear bonus episodes, we're on Patreon. Uh, but yeah, Let's Go to Court Podcast. That's the name of the show. Thank you guys so much for doing this. Uh, really appreciate it. We will see you on the onlines. Sure. Thanks. Thank you so much. That was fun, right? Anyway, next up, Nick's Music Corner. Here we go, Nick. Hello, I'm Nick Spacek, music editor for The Pitch, and I'm here with this week's local music recommendation. Lawrence's Danger Bob were omnipresent at the end of the 90s, playing memorable shows where the band would regularly pack the bottleneck to capacity with drunken revelers. The band broke up in 1999, although they've occasionally reunited for one-off performances. Though Danger Bob hasn't played a show in over a decade, three of the four members, less frontman Carl, did play a one-off a few years back as Anger Bob on the 4th of July at the Gaslight Tavern in Lawrence. Originally released 25 years ago as a double cassette, the band's La Pop Shop was released on compact disc in 1997. Since then, you've had to deal with lousy YouTube rips or a friend who had their hands on a copy to be able to hear it. Thankfully, the band dropped La Pop Shop on Bandcamp last week, making it easy to fill your ears with the band's crazy, catchy pop rock and roll. For anyone looking to get into the band's music, the album's hit single, The Hook, is an insanely addictive song cramming urban legend references into a Ramones-worthy three-minute pop rocker. If you like it, you can find La Pop Shop along with two of the band's other albums, Girls of the Big 12 and The Joshua Tree, at dangerbob.bandcamp.com. A note, for those folks who are here solely for Mayor Lucas's interview, please do be advised that this song features swears. Here we go. Don't, 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 the flashlights are passing, but the 
is coming and the hook is coming and the hook is coming it'll follow you home and now uh the highlight of the show we are sitting down with mayor quentin lucas for a new segment we're calling q and a uh he goes my mayor q this is sort of if you don't live here that's the that's the joke q and a so once a month we're going to try and have the mayor on Uh, he's going to answer questions from the community uh, and uh, this is our segment today on, wow, uh, what's going on and what his plans are for the future. All right. Uh, so first question, um, what are you doing with all your spare time? Uh, any minor issues recently popping up, uh, anything like that? Well, you know, you're the pitch. Right, and so yes. I want to be honest with you all and let you know what I've been up to with my spare time, which is that I have uh, done more hiking, um, which is kind of an thing to do. Kansas City Parks um, give us a great opportunity to do that. Um, and I've been actually doing more like phone calls with uh, friends that don't live in Kansas City, some of these Zoom happy hours, that sort of thing. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a lot of spare time, for example, last night I probably was on official calls till about 9 p.m. And most nights are like that. And then most mornings probably start about um, 7 a.m. But to the extent I have time on the outside, sometimes on the weekends, that's what I'm up to, um, including a recent Zoom happy hour where my friends and I talked about um, dating during COVID. Um, I did not have much to volunteer, but uh, <laughs> that was kind of uh, a subject for discussion. So, so I try to make sure I keep balance because, you know, frankly, everybody needs to to be their sharpest. Uh, what's it like running a uh, digital city hall right now? Like, is, is there a lot of legislation that manages to happen over Zoom or are there a lot of things that legally just can't move forward? You know, there are a lot of things that can't move legally without um, really old mundane requirements like 
signatures and you know any number of, of those things so um, there continues to be a lot of work that I'm doing um, to kind of be a bridge I know a number of our my city council colleagues have not uh, been coming in regularly um, and that's that's what we advise and so that's a lot more phone calls too and as a guy who wasn't necessarily into long phone calls before I'm, I'm growing to be a man of the 80s and uh, do phone calls and you know what the heck pretty soon I'm gonna be sending people faxes <laughs> well love that we're just slowly moving back in time we'll get to smoke signals eventually yeah. um, as we've got a, the, the, you've got sort of an extensive set of issues that other mayors don't deal with because you've got a city bisected by by two states and the states have wildly different uh, approaches to what we're supposed to be doing with this. Uh, what is your relationship like with both governors and, and how, how are you guys working together? <laughs> so, you know, it's interesting. I am, um, and probably because it makes sense, I mean, Mike Parson is my governor, so I've, I've spent a lot more time interacting with him. Um, it, it, so we have a strong-ish personal relationship. Uh, I've enjoyed that. His wife is a very pleasant woman, and we've had the chance to chat. I've had lunch at the governor's mansion, which is nice because our, our you know, uh, I had never done that before. So we, we personally are there. Politically, boy, do we see things differently. Um, I, you know, and I haven't been shy about saying that. I, I think, I mean, look, we can, we can go through a, like an e-true Hollywood story of, of areas of differences and where I think it's been important that Kansas City, Jackson County, St. Louis City, St. Louis County, I think have taken important steps for the best interest, not just of our own uh, residents, but frankly, the entire state, the entire region, and that's been good. Um, my relationship with Governor Kelly is, is less strong on a personal basis. However, um, you know, we probably see a lot more things eye to eye. I've only had one actual um, chat with her, probably talked to her for about 20 minutes. Um, we talked about our shared interest in The Crown, um, the show on Netflix which, you know, um, she probably fits the demographic for a huge fan of The Crown. Maybe I don't, but, uh, you know, what the hell? You get commonality where you can. Um, and we, we talked about going to the Kansas State Fair in Hutchinson. I digress. Um, what I will notice Look, if, is- if Elizabeth Warren can be a huge fan of ballers, then we can all find uh, shared interests <laughs> on the street. I can go the other way. Um, but as we talked about um, kind of what's happening with the orders, I know my chief of staff, has been in touch with uh, folks from her office. Um, I know there are a number of people in my office who are uh, close to folks in Governor Kelly's office, and I myself have a pretty good relationship um, with the Secretary of Health in Kansas, Dr. Lee Norman, who many people know now for looking a lot like Colonel Sanders. Um, but I knew him when uh, when he was an uh, he was he is an absolutely outstanding physician and public servant who has been, I think, a game changer not just with the people of Kansas but for all of us in the metropolitan area. And so those relationships have been very important for us and will continue to be important, if not more so actually, as the, um, you know, the liberate the states movement continues to get hold with dozens and dozens of protesters um, in cities and towns throughout America. And as I think we see cities open up, states open up without clear guidance as to how do we deal with future outbreaks how do we address, um, you know, uh, populations that are at risk? And so I look forward to working more closely with both governors to the extent we can. Uh, I guess that jumps ahead to the question that I was hoping to ask later. But um, uh, what are your thoughts about uh, people gathering to hold protests 
uh, and uh, ignoring both stay-at-home orders and also social, social distancing? Um, you know, I, I answer that one much like I answered a few weeks ago. Somebody asked, Lucas, why are the um, gun shops um, essential businesses? And I said, you know, there's just a set of people who are crazy. Um, I wish I should come up with something better, maybe because I've done too many interviews. They're crazy. They want to, you know, they want to take us down with them. Um, I'm glad that it was a smaller group. I think it was, um, I don't think it was particularly productive. I think it is a reckless choice for them and their own families to ignore social distancing guidelines, to do protests like that. I think it is incredibly unfortunate. But at the same time, um, you know, we aren't actually, in case you're wondering, really throwing people in jail for misdemeanors right now, by and large. And so I know there were some people who said, well, why didn't you cite them for social distancing violations? I'm not going to put my police officers at more risk. I'm not going to put a jail population at more risk. They're going to, you know, do their kind of uh, approach to things, trying to get attention. They got their attention. But I think the rest of us are going to try to look at reasonable ways in which we can and will reopen ultimately. We were, uh, we were very excited at the pitch office when we saw that there was just a single protester in front of City Hall. We were like, uh -oh. one guy showed up, and then somebody pointed out, oh, there's like 50 people standing next to each other on the plaza. And we were like, ah, we were so close to being really proud of the city. <laughs> right. I know. I was super excited because I actually drove by the guy, and I almost wanted to engage with that one guy because he was something. I mean, I'll tell you what, you get, if you had 50 of him, it would seem like you had 100. Um, which still would have been pretty sparse, but he, you know, he seemed to have some opinions. Uh, he did. I mean, you could hear them from a social distance, so sure. <laughs> right? No, he did his part. So now it's it's fresh. It's somewhat frustrating. They ignored the orders, but you know, I I really hope. You know, I had a chat this morning, which, for example, um, and I'm just jumping ahead because I want to tell you interesting stuff. Right? There are all these meetings of the Mid America Regional Council, um, and last week I think our formal. Um, outcome was to agree that we would come to no decision as elected officials, which makes things actually often a waste of time entirely. Um, today's conversation was um, from some of my mayoral peers, which are in cities that are very different than mine. They said things to the effect of, well, Lucas, you're not going to get 100% compliance, and so therefore we need to pull back the orders and let people get back to life. And I said, well, you know, maybe in whatever town and hamlet you're from, you get 100% compliance. But pretty much on every crime in Kansas City, murder, speeding, anything under the sun, we don't get 100% compliance. But it doesn't mean that we pull back everything that's good for the public, right? We have drug laws in this country, many of which I actually disagree with. Um, but whenever I say, let's legalize weed, right, people will tell me, oh, well, you know, if there's still a huge public health concern. It's just funny how inconsistent people can be, perhaps myself included, but in this situation, them, when they said, well, because we don't have total compliance, we're in a position where we think that all the orders should be done, um, done away with. I mention that story now for one reason, which is that, well, the protesters, I don't think, had much bite. The world of Fox News, Facebook, all of that do have some bite. And I am concerned not just with people that are moving up order repeal dates. My greater concern is that they're kind of moving them up with no plan at all, right? It's one thing to say, all right, yeah, Missouri, we're open May 4th. That's great. It's another thing to say, well, well what about the people over 60? What about the people that are overweight? 
What about the people that have underlying health issues? Which by the way, if you add up all of those, that's probably two thirds of our damn population in Kansas City and the state of Missouri. And so when you start to say, all right, what are we doing affirmatively to make sure those people are healthier? That's where my concern is. And the problem is that those aren't just people that are walking around with Trump 2020 flags and with um, you know American flags by the J.C. Nichols Fountain. Those are people that are in political positions. Those are people that are in leadership. Those are people that are contravening the advice of public health professionals. And that is the gravest threat, I think, to this region right now. Sorry. So what is your opening up plan look like? I, I know that we are certain yeah. we are set for the 15th right now, but you know, can, that can always extend. What are you, what are you looking for in, in your plan? I've been reading the pitch my whole life, so I would never lie. I mean, look, we're not extending past the 15th. Uh, okay. There are realities to what it is we're largely trying to do. And I think barring, barring the biggest calamity ever, the 15th is likely our conclusion date. So the question really for me is, how do we wind down responsibly both before that point and after? I think before that point, we start our messaging on what a soft opening is and looks like. A soft opening, for example, um, probably the Nelson Atkins Museum could probably open tomorrow. Why? Because they could likely maintain adequate social distancing, right? You could actually see that any commonly used surfaces actually are cleaned a lot. There's not that threat of community spread, perhaps in the same way that we would have if tattoo parlors and like the Woodside Club over in Northeast Johnson County said that it's opening on May 4th. Like also most of a museum is just surfaces that you're not allowed to touch. So that one seems pretty right. Nice. And that's exactly right, right? I mean, and if they open the door for us, then actually you really don't have to touch anything, right? Don't have to touch anything. You shouldn't even be close to anybody. Anyway, the point on that is to say, I think we're gonna to try to start messaging with Kansas City businesses about what social distancing means, what businesses should be opening, and what processes we should be doing that. And I think that's a far more responsible approach than say what you've seen in the state of Georgia, where Governor Kemp has largely said, you know, tattoo parlors, massage parlors, beauty shops, whatever, open, getting a rebuke from none other than actually President Trump. And I rarely get to agree with him. I think we're going to try to find a responsible way to balance it, looking to a phase of soft opening before we're going to our broader step, ultimately getting to larger events being an approach that we would have. You are, uh, you are one of the most accessible politicians that I've ever known. You uh, regularly post your cell phone number on Twitter and on Twitter engage in sometimes less than the best faith arguments. Uh, you invite people to call you and talk about things. Has this been a particularly uh, interesting time to engage with the public? What do your text messages look like these days? <laughs> uh, it, yeah, no, my God, it's been more interesting <laughs> than one could have ever imagined. I mean, people uh, have a lot of time and I'm sure they have a lot of opinions, yeah. so. <laughs> and you know, the funniest thing is people will continue to like do back and forths with me. So, you know, I usually will try to be like, thank you, God bless you and your family. Um, and then they all like just keep coming with more and more ideas or, you know, or like a day and a half after they're like, Hey, Mayor Q, um, you know, and, and some are, I mean, some God bless them are just so heartfelt. My, my partner is having trouble with unemployment insurance. Can you do something? Um, whereas there are others that are saying things like, um, you know, Lucas, you hate freedom and watch your back, and, you know, and all that sort of stuff. And you're just trying to undermine our great president, you know. Well, bless you and your family. <laughs> right. And I always give them a God bless, too. I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably been the most interesting time I ever give out one cell phone number, particularly because we're in the news a decent amount. Um, 
but I do look forward at some point to a vacation when those happen again. And I'll probably, if I'm smart, leave my phone in Kansas City. Uh, I guess my last question here is that uh, we've seen uh, a bunch of in interesting uh, pivots in businesses that have moved from yeah. being distilleries or, 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 or printing shops into making face masks and hand sanitizers, the other forms of PPE. What else can people be doing locally uh, other than obviously staying home? You know, I think supporting local businesses is essential. Um, you know, I, for a while I was advertising the local businesses I would support, but then Twitter attacked me for not seeming woke enough because there are people who can't eat each day. So, you know, what the hell? Um, but I would say support local restaurants to the extent that you have events coming up, be it a wedding or anything under the sun, don't cancel it. First of all, because, you know, you know, marry your wife, it'll be nice. But the other point is to actually support your, you know, to support those vendors and others that'll be in a difficult position. And I think for anybody who has any opportunity to support some of our nonprofits, I mean, they've been screwed during this downturn. A lot of them have big spring events where they were looking to raise more money. A lot of businesses aren't making the same investments. So many others aren't. And so that'd be to me the most important place to help. Well, thank you for being our woke mayor. Uh, I'll let you get back to the, the work of running a city. I will talk to you next time. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you, sir. Take care, sir. And that was my interview with Mayor Quentin Lucas. Thank you guys all so much. If you enjoy this, please subscribe. Uh, please subscribe to the Streetwise newsletter that comes out every Saturday morning. And please check out all the excellent coverage we are doing at thepitch.com. Uh, pitch in, and we will get through this. See you all next time.